Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. We're going to get back into a series that we started the week before, Generation Summit. It's called Seeing as God Sees. So this will be part two of that series, Seeing as God Sees. And it's been a couple weeks. I'll just review some of the key points. But God wants you to see yourself, others, the world around you as he sees it. He wants you to see him as he sees himself. He wants you to have clear vision, physically and spiritually. We, 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 one of the key points that we said is that you will see yourself through the eyes of the one you trust the most. You will see yourself through the eyes of the one you trust the most. And more often than not, that's usually ourselves. (laughs) Until we renew our minds and learn to trust him more than we trust ourselves, right? It may be another person. But whoever it is that you're trusting the most, and you can't fake this, because you're trusting someone more than anyone else. You'll see yourself through their eyes. So you want to begin trusting the one who made you as soon as possible. As you begin to trust the one who made you more than anyone else, you'll begin to see yourself as you are a new creation in him. Fear will distort your vision. You got to listen to Yoda, right? Yoda knows that fear is the path to the dark side. Come on, isn't that what he said? You guys need to watch some Star Wars, I see. But it's true, isn't it? Fear is, is, opens the door for the enemy to operate in our lives. Fear is the path to the dark side. I'm feeling like Yoda this morning. Come on. About to do a backflip with my lightsaber and take down that evil Lord Seth. (laughs) Woo! Jesus came so that every fear in your life would be gone forever. When you see, realize is another way for saying see. How much he loves you, his love for you will remove every fear. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus came to restore your vision, and a big part of that is, is being fearless. Being fearless. If you're holding on to any fears, no matter what they're about, what area of life, doesn't matter, they're distorting your vision. You can't see as God sees if you're entertaining worries. 
People say, well, I'm not afraid, but they're worrying. Worry and fear are related, right? They're connected. Same thing, really. Why are you worrying? Because you're expecting a negative outcome. Isn't that what fear is? The expectation of losing? That's what Satan, that's his tool. He's trying to get you to expect losing. Whatever area of life that might be, that's what worry is. Worry is choosing to be afraid of the outcome of a circumstance, right? That's what anxiety is. They're all related. They're all fear-based. It all has to do with meditating on a negative outcome. Well, how can I know my outcome? I meditate on what Christ has done for me. He's given me an expected end. He's given me a sure outcome. What's my outcome? Victory. That's what we meditate on and fear goes. Fear is a persistent cuss, if you haven't noticed. Fear doesn't go just because you're reading your Bible or heard a great message. It may go for a time, but it will come back. Because it wants to see if you really believe what you've heard. It's time to know whose we are and who we are, right? Before we get into Luke chapter 4, let me say this to you because I... I think oftentimes because we've been so conditioned by tradition, we don't know how to come to church. And uh, church is not a building. It's not a religious tradition. Man has tried to turn it into that. But church is actually people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are born again. They are believers in Christ. So we are the church. But there is an assembling of the saints that is to be done regularly. And in the book of Acts, when the church was born for the first gospel message from the apostle Peter, 3,000 people joined. And they were so inspired and their lives were changed by the word that they heard. They met daily in the temple and in homes. Now, persecution eventually broke out against them and they were scattered and they went to all, all parts of the world, really. And they had to oftentimes meet privately in homes because they'd get thrown in prison if they met publicly. Well, we're not in that place here in America. So we can meet publicly. Don't say yet. Not while I'm here. Uh -uh. After I go with Jesus, not while I'm here. Not while I'm here. Liberty will reign in this country while I'm here. Well, who do you think you are? Jesus' brother. I'm just like him. Hallelujah. We're, we're, our presence in the earth keeps the liberty of Christ here. Our presence in America keeps freedom in America. Regardless of what policy decisions are being made, freedom will win in America. Because you're living here. This is our home. No one's going to take it from us. It's our temporary home. Heaven's our real home. But while we're here, it's going to be a free nation. 
That's exactly right. Don't you give in to all the darkness trying to tell you this nation's going to pot. Might be selling pot, but it's not going to pot. (laughs) So what is this assembling that we're doing on a regular basis? Well, I want you to know that God's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to build us up in the revelation of the finished work of Christ. So before we ever gather, we're preparing our hearts. We're meditating in the Word daily in our lives. We're growing in Christ in our personal relationship with Him throughout the week. Then when we come together, there's an anointing on whoever's in the, in, in the position of giving that message. There's an anointing on that person to impart revelation to us. So we come to eat fresh, hot Jesus. That's what I call revelation. It's fresh, it's hot, it changes your life. He's the bread of life. So when we start a series, usually we'll do series, sometimes we'll do individual messages. You want to listen to every message in that series multiple times. Because we start the series and we lay a foundation of truths that will transform you that will make you stronger, that will remove fear from your life, and then we build on that, okay? But you've got to take advantage of the food that's served to you every time we gather. If you don't eat it, it's not going to help you. You could be sitting in the, the best restaurant in Boston, but until you get out your knife and your fork and cut yourself a, a slice of that delicious steak and take your first bite, it's not going to benefit you at all. Right? Those asparagus aren't going to do you any good on your plate. You've got to put them in your mouth, and you've got to chew, people. Grandma says, chew your food. Right? She knew what she was talking about. The mouth is the first stage of our digestive system. And we break things down with our mouth. Death and life are in the power of the mouth. When you're saying the Word of God, when you're speaking it over your life, you're chewing it. You're breaking it down and releasing the nutrients in it. Right? That's what happens when you're physically chewing. You're breaking down the food in your mouth, and if you chew it long enough, it it becomes uh, to a point where the rest of your system can receive it. Well, you've got to chew on the Word long enough so the rest of your system can receive it. There's no shortcuts to this. Knowing Him is our priority. You are not too busy for this. Are you too busy for breathing? I don't think so. Right? Then you're not too busy to meditate in the Word of God. And there are, there are uh, people over the years, I'm not picking anybody out, but they'll want to come for pastoral counseling well, I need to know some things. What are, you, what are you meditating on? What do you believe? Are you worshiping God with your money? And, and well, no, but I'd like to have some counseling. Well, start doing these things. You see, you're getting counseling every time we gather by the Holy Spirit. If you'll receive the counseling that takes place every time we gather, chances are you're not going to need any personal counseling if you'll receive it. 
Counseling can take place in this setting that can't happen in a one-on-one setting. It's unique, this assembly, this Holy Spirit assembly. It's very unique. Get everything you can get out of it. You'll find that everything you need will be imparted to you by the Holy Spirit when we gather. But you've got to come with ears to hear, eyes to see, right? You've got to feed yourself and chew on the Word during the week. Don't wait till Sunday to get the Word. You'll be weak and malnourished, and you'll have a hard time swallowing it. You want to be eating it and chewing it and meditating it when you're driving to work, if you drive to work, fly to work, whatever you do, <laughs> work from home, getting up in the morning, getting ready, and making your breakfast, chew on the Word while you're making your breakfast. By His stripes I have been healed. Jesus Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. He was made sin. Hallelujah. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in me. Flip your egg. All right. Put the toast in the toaster. Keep going. Right? Get out the, the blackberries for your cereal. Yeah, eat, chew in the Word. So please take advantage of the meal that is served to you every time we gather and listen to it multiple times. You'll be glad you did. If you don't, not much we can do for you. The choice is yours. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus announcing His purpose. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading from Isaiah by the way, Isaiah is affectionately referred to as the fifth gospel because it t- talks so much about Jesus. And we're going to go there in just a moment. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah because this is from Isaiah chapter, is it 60 or 61? Uh, one of those. Beginning of 60 or 61. I don't remember for some reason. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal. I don't know if it's God's will to heal. It's because you're not listening to Jesus. It's just that simple. You're giving other voices a higher place than the voice of Jesus in your life. It's just that simple. Keep it simple. What Jesus said. What Brother Ross said last week. In every situation, you want to say, what did the Bible say? What does God have to say about it, right? Hallelujah. He sent me to heal. That settles that debate. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to restore your vision. What is vision for? Well, vision is essential for direction, right? I need to know what's before me. I need to know the difference between where I've been and where I'm going. Satan will mix that all up. He'll make you think that where you've been is where you're going. No. Your past is gone forever. Thank you, Jesus. So where I've been is not where I'm going. I've never been where I'm going, but I'm going there. I'm going higher, further. I'm getting stronger every day. 
more of the glory of Christ is radiating from my life every day. That's where I'm going. I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. Satan will try and talk to you about things that happened a week ago. Well, that's gone. It's gone. Yeah, but you said this. You did. It's gone. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. And every day I get stronger. Every day I get stronger. Well, what about last? It's gone. It's gone. I'm new. So in order to know the difference between where I've been and where I'm going, I've got to have clear vision. I've got to believe what Jesus has said so that I can see where I'm going. Vision is essential for our identity so that we can recognize ourselves, identify ourselves, and identify others. Our identification, who we identify with, determines who we associate with. Right? So your identification is very important. If I identify identify myself as a drug addict, I'm going to associate with drug addicts. If I identify myself as uh, addicted to pornography, I'm going to associate with that. If I identify myself as an alcoholic, that's what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. But if I identify myself with who I am in Christ, that I'm not a drug addict, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not addicted to pornography, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, and the power of sin has been broken in my life, I'm dead to it all, and I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, it will have no hold on you. It will have no hold on you. Your identification. Discernment. Our vision gives us discernment to determine what is possible. What is possible? You know, when you're on the highway and you're deciding, can I, can I blow past? Can I, can I outrun this police officer? No. Forgive me, Eddie. Is he here? I got such a kick out of Ross last week. Got pulled over. For doing 140. And the officer said to him, you know, you were doing uh, o- over 90. He said, 90? I was doing 140. <laughs> I am not condoning this. I'm teasing. It's a joke. I've never done 140. Yet. Not done I have seen Jennifer hit 99. Just saying, just saying, Eddie, you talk to her after. Yeah, it was in our driveway, but it was not last. Yeah, it was. We were renting a Mustang. We just had to open that thing up a little bit. Confession's good for the soul, right? No, your, your, your vision determines what's possible, right? You look at a situation and say, can I get through this? Can I do this? Well, if you see yourself as Christ sees you, the answer is yes. Why? Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you see yourself as Satan sees you, the answer is no. You won't make it. If you see yourself according to your past, you won't be able to do it. 
If you see yourself according to the present reality that you are in Christ, you've got it. Hallelujah. Vision is the ability to see things as God sees them. As God sees them. God's vision is perfect because what he believes is perfect. He's never had a wrong thought. He's never entertained a wrong thought. We don't realize how damaging it is to entertain wrong thoughts. Well, no one knows about it. They're poison. Now, listen, thoughts are going to pass through our minds. I'm not talking about that, but we don't allow them to stay there. I don't even give them the time of day. Don't even acknowledge wrong thoughts. You've got to train yourself to not even acknowledge wrong thoughts and to speak what God says in the midst of it. And you'll prepare your mind so that your mind will automatically repel wrong thoughts. Automatically. It's like a force field. Like Wakanda. You guys know Wakanda? The Avengers? Black Panther's country. They've got that force field around it. Guys got to watch some superhero movies. (laughs) Meditating in the Word becomes like a force field in your life. It's a protection for you. There are things that will be repelled by your knowledge of Christ. Things that, well, I can't even touch that. He knows too much. He's too sure. Hallelujah. So what we believe determines what we see. We're just reviewing right now. What we believe determines what we see, not what's in front of our eyes. You can have 10 people in the same situation and they all see something differently because of what they each believe. What we choose to meditate on determines how clearly we see. So what we believe determines what we see, but what we chew on daily determines the clearness of our vision, the clarity of our vision. God invites us to see as he sees. Now, we're going to read a passage of Scripture that's been totally taken out of context, as many have. And we're going to start in Isaiah 55. So Jesus was reading from Isaiah. Let's go back to the fifth gospel. Isaiah, let's go to chapter 55. I'm going to read you two verses, then we're going to back up. But we're going to start in verse 8. And when, when I say make a statement like God invites us to see as he sees, man's religious tradition gets very uneasy with a statement like that. Because they think you're being presumptuous or even blasphemous, that you're out of order, that we can never see as God sees. And it's presumptuous to, to think that we can, that God wants us to stay down low and not get too high. But nothing could be further from the truth. And these are two verses that are often taken out of context to try and keep people from seeing as God sees. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if we just take that snippet, those two verses, and don't know anything about their context, maybe God is saying, stay away. I can put a tone into that when I read it, that maybe God's saying, listen, you know, you, you don't think like me, you don't see like me, just stay, you know, keep your distance. It's essential in any communication, written, verbal, to, to keep the context of what's being said. It's the context that gives us the meaning, not the words on the page. Okay? Same is true with someone who makes a public statement. Uh, there's, uh, there's videos on YouTube tearing down some of the greatest preachers that are living today. And they'll take a snippet from one of their messages. And they'll, they'll say some things about this preacher before they play the snippet. They'll set you up, they'll play the snippet, and then they'll say some other things. Chances are they've never listened to the whole message from that preacher. <laughs> They just grab these little snippets and they've got these preconceived ideas of what that preacher is about and they begin to tear down that preacher. Yeah, chances are if, you, if you're watching a video online that tells you not to listen to a preacher, go listen to them because they're probably really good. <laughs> they're probably really good. <laughs> but that's what people do. They take things out of context to, to justify their wrong thinking. We don't want to do that. Let's look at the context of verse 8 and 9. Sometimes to get the context, you've got to go all the way back to the beginning of the book or maybe the beginning of the Bible. You've got to keep things in the whole context of the Scriptures, and that takes work, and many don't want to do that. They'd rather just be a blabbermouth and slander people. We're not blabbermouths. Right? We speak life and wholeness, and we lift up the men and women of God who are preaching the gospel, right? We never tear down a preacher. Never. Never will we tear down a preacher. I'll speak against ideas, but I won't call out a name. Never. Never, because love doesn't do that. So if you're listening to a video that's calling out preacher's name, you know that's not love talking. Even if they were wrong, just talk about the ideas that's what needs to be addressed, right? Well, let's go back to the beginning of chapter 55. We read verses 8 and 9. Let's go back to verse 1, and I want you to notice the first word, come. Come is an invitation. Come over tomorrow. Do I want you to stay away or do I want you to, to, to be close? It begins with an invitation. Watch how many invitations are in verses 1 through 7. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come, second one, to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Just invited us three times. He's not even done with verse 1 yet. Come, buy, and eat. Those are all invitations. Come, again, woo, one, two, three, four, five, six. Come, buy, seven. Wine and milk, without money, without price. 
See, there are multiple contexts of the Scripture. There is the historic context, but there's the prophetic context. This is Isaiah's prophetically speaking of what Christ would do for us and what we have in Him. Why can we buy without price? Because the price was paid for us through Calvary. Verse 2, so we have what, seven invitations in verse 1? Are you getting the context here? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you listen to the talk shows? I won't mention any names. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Hey, I grew up in a home. They listened to talk shows, my, my mom and sisters. And I was just a kid. I didn't know any better. So they were on, you know, those morning talk shows, 9, 10 a.m., Summertime, you're home from school, you're, and uh, and boy, they would just they love these talk shows, and they'd rave about the hosts and their tremendous insight. Well, I got saved when I was 19, and I started reading the scriptures, and I don't know, probably sometime in that first year, I was somewhere, somewhere, and there was a a talk show on a TV, and I saw one of these hosts that 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 the circles I was in used to rave about, and I listened to what they're saying. Oh my goodness. This is darkness. There's no life in this whatsoever. And there were like the most popular talk shows on TV. And there was zippo life in it. Zero. None. Just controversy. Gossip. Stir it up. No real answers. Why would you pay for that stuff, right? Doesn't satisfy, does it? So verse, you see in verse 2 is an invitation, isn't it? He's saying, listen diligently to me. Drop the cheap stuff and get the real thing. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And so I started watching uh, good preachers online. I remember returning home after being saved for several months, and I'd have preachers on TV, and boy, my family got mad. What in the world are you listening to that for? It's life. They'd rather listen to the garbage. That's not me. <laughs> listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. What's the rich food he's talking about? His word. Who we are in Christ. All that Christ purchased for us. Let's define the rich food like this. Who God is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. Right? So verse 2 is a big invitation. Verse 3, incline. Hello. Another invitation. Sounds like one big fat invitation to me. (laughs) Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear. And your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. He says, listen to me and you'll live. What's God's motive? Life abundantly for you. That's his agenda. He wants trying to impart life to you, but he can if you won't listen. He can if you won't set time aside and be in his presence and chew on his word. Hear and you shall live. 
Hallelujah. Verse 4, behold, another invitation. What's that? An invitation to fix your vision on me, on what I've done for you through my son. I have given him, oh, I love Isaiah, for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Boy, I'll tell you, there's so much rising up in me right now. What is a witness in a trial? A witness testifies to what they saw happen. Why is Jesus? Jesus is a witness to the goodness of God. He said, I only do the things I see my Father doing. I only say what He says. He's a witness to the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Verse 5, Behold, another invitation. Thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, a nation that knew not thee shall run unto thee, because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Verse 6, seek the Lord. Another invitation. While he may be found, call upon him. While he is near. Another invitation. Verse 7, let. Another invitation. The wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man. Can, are you getting the picture? God wants you to know him. He's saying don't let anything keep you from knowing me. I have life abundantly for you. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So he's saying forsake dark ways, forsake wicked ways, forsake unrighteous thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. Another invitation, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, verse 8, after seven verses of repetitive invitation, 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 and he's saying, I'm going to abundantly pardon. I'll have mercy on you. I won't condemn you. Why? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't condemn like people condemn. I don't think like that. My thoughts are life and liberty and wholeness and freedom for you. Are you seeing the context of the Scripture? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Hallelujah. They're not unrighteous thoughts. They're loving thoughts. They're good thoughts. They're thoughts of life and peace. Neither are my ways, excuse me, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What's he doing? He's saying start doing things my way. Start thinking like I think. Start taking my thoughts into your mind and speaking them with your mouth and believing them in your heart so that you can live the abundant life my son came to give you. When do we do this? Every day. Throughout the day. We do it in our sleep. Hallelujah. This is what we do. We learn the thoughts of God and we adopt them as our own. We incorporate the thoughts of God into our mind until they become our own. If He said it, we believe it. And it's how we operate now. And I, uh, who was it? Uh, Jace, uh, Brother Jace on Saturday morning. I hope. Hope you were here or watched online. Excellent word. But he said, if there's any area of your life where you're not experiencing God's will, ask him. Say, Father, give me understanding. Somehow I'm not seeing as you see in this situation. I don't, I'm not realizing what you've done for me 
open my eyes so that I can see and have the victory that you've prepared for me. And he just cited several examples of different uh, physical issues he dealt with. And he said, I know this isn't right. I know that God's healed me. God, show me what I'm missing. And God would give him a scripture, boom, set him free. God will give you his word. His word brings light. There's something in the word. There's something in what God has said that I haven't grabbed a hold of yet. And, boy, I love it. I love this walking with him over the years. He'll, I said, Father, show me, help me. And the Holy Spirit, as I'm looking at the Scriptures, or sometimes as I've got them rolling around, so he'll just bring one up, and there it is. That's what I needed. And now I can stand. Now I can move forward. Now I can tread upon the lion and the cobra. Now I can crush fierce lions and serpents under my feet. Hallelujah. Think like I think. Hallelujah. Live like I live. Believe as I believe. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, this is verse 10, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. What is his will for you? Life abundantly. How do we know that? Jesus said it. Where did he say it? John 10.10, 10, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Right? Hallelujah. It will accomplish what I please, abundant life for you wholeness and salvation and liberty for you, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with wholeness, well-being, prosperity. That's shalom. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. See, Satan's trying to stop this symphony from being played. It's the symphony of your victory. It's the symphony that begins to be played when you believe God. It's the symphony that begins to play in the atmosphere around you when you choose to stand on what God has said to you, when you choose to think that what he said is real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nature will respond to you. Hallelujah. The mountains. I love that. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you into singing. Hallelujah. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. We got these little frogs in our koi pond in the back off the deck there. And they listen to me, these little frogs. They do. They do. When I come out on the deck and I'm praying, they all go. They know something's about to happen. They do. They do. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Hallelujah. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Man, I was doing something and uh, clearing some brush on our property. And I knew it was, I was trying to snap this thorn brush, and that thorn just went right in. But you compare that. Have you ever touched a soft fir tree? It's like you went, oh, yeah, just brush it. It feels so good. 
That's the contrast between believing uh, darkness, ungodly thoughts, and believing God. Ungodly thoughts are thorns that will pierce you and draw blood. Ungodly thoughts, unrighteous thoughts, they're not of you and they're not for you. Satan is trying to sell them to you so that he can pierce you and cause pain in your life. Ungodly thoughts are not yours. You're in Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You're a new creation in Him. Hallelujah. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar, have you ever tried to walk through briars? Ouch. They'll tear your jeans. Shall come up the myrtle tree. Myrtle tree has a sweet fragrance. No thorns. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So you see, Isaiah 55 is this huge invitation to experience the abundant life Christ came to give you. And it's done by embracing God's thoughts, not shying away from them. It's, it's done by coming close to God, not keeping your distance. Jesus, in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, invites us to experience God. And he says, uh, verse 22 in the King James of Mark chapter 11, and, and this is after, the context of it, is after Jesus spoke to a fig tree, and he wanted to get some figs from it, but there was no fruit on it. He said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. What did Adam and Eve try and cover themselves with after they fell? Fig leaves, right? Fig, figs represent, the fig leaves symbolically in the scriptures represent man's efforts to overcome sin. So he says, may no one ever eat from you again. May man realize that freedom from sin is through Christ alone, by faith in Christ. And when he said that, the fig tree died supernaturally. It was cursed, uh, and it was withered from the roots up. And his disciples were amazed at it. And they, he, in the midst of their amazement, Jesus answered and said unto them, the King James says it this way, have faith in God. But if you really look at the Greek in my Holman Bible, uh, this is not my Holman here, in the margin, it has this, have the faith of God. Same thing as Isaiah 55. He's inviting us to see things as he sees them. Have the faith of God. It's in this possessive sense in the Greek. It's talking about thinking and seeing like God sees. Have the faith of God. In the message translation, it says it this way, Jesus was matter of fact, embrace this God life. Is that an invitation? Embrace this God life, really embrace it. Don't just come to church on Sunday, chew it up every day. Meditate in it every day. It becomes everything to you. It becomes what you look forward to every day. Embrace this God life. Really embrace it. 
and nothing will be too much for you. He goes on to say this mountain, for instance, just say go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to speak to absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. Did you memorize that? Yeah, why? I want to experience that more every day. Embrace this God. Include everything as you embrace this God life. Speak to everything. Include everything as you embrace this God life. And you'll get God's everything. So what happens if I don't include everything? I won't get God's everything. So I can get 20% of what God wants me to have. Is it up to him or is it up to me? It's up to me. He wants me to experience it all, right? But I've got to include every area of my life if I want to experience God in every area of my life, right? Include everything as you embrace this. Don't compartmentalize God. He's for every day of the week. He's for everything you do. He's for growing tomatoes. He's for mowing your lawn. He's for cleaning your garage. He's for changing the oil. In everything you do, talk to him. Speak to everything you do. Speak, hallelujah, embrace this God life. Hallelujah. Embrace this God life when you're making your bed in the morning. Speak to your pillows and your sheets. Hallelujah, when you're vacuuming the floor. Embrace this God life in everything that you do and you'll get God's everything. Hallelujah. 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 All right, we'll keep going and we'll stop when we need to stop here. Boy, this is so good. Let's finish with one more invitation. We're seeing as God sees. We're seeing that God invites us to see as he sees, to embrace things, to embrace his truth as he embraces it to respond to situations in the way that he responds, to speak to everything the way Jesus did. Let's, fin- let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It's imp- so important that you realize God gave us everything when he gave us Christ. He gave us everything when he gave us Christ. And as you realize that, you realize that prayer isn't so much about asking God for things as it is uh, about uh, growing in the reality of what He's already given you. So as I spend time with Him, the reality of what He's done for me grows inside of me. Second Peter chapter 1. There were times in my life I was facing things and I just... Fear was like chasing me down. So I knew what I had to do. I, had, I needed some extra time in the Word. So I'd make extra time in the Word. And I'd sit down and I'd, I'd meditate on what God had said. And I'd get stronger and the fear would get weaker. Until, until I got to the point where that fear just couldn't even uh, na 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 me anymore. 
2 Peter 1, verse 2. This is the Apostle Peter who preached the first gospel message in Acts. He said, grace, God riches, God's riches at Christ's expense, and peace, wholeness, prosperity, well-being be multiplied unto you, which means it increases in your life. How? Through the knowledge of God. This is why we have to have great preaching in our life. It, it's, it's a help to us. It brings, it ushers in the knowledge of God that, that man's religious teaching doesn't do. Hallelujah. And I look on my phone. I use my phone. I think podcasts are a tremendous tool. I can access the Word for free just through podcasts. And I can do it while I'm doing whatever. Sometimes I know, okay, i got 15 minutes to do something. I'll look for a podcast or something. Boom, I'm going to listen to that while I'm doing this because I want, I want to grow stronger in his reality. So, so this God's riches at Christ's expense, untroubled, undisturbed well-being, prosperity is multiplied unto me through the knowledge of God, Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us. What does that mean? It's already done, right? It's already done. So prayer is no longer trying to obtain something. Prayer is growing in the reality of what's already mine in Christ, right? According as His divine power has given unto us all things. Wow. That's the kind of God I need. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Woo. Here it is again. How do we experience these things? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby, verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. See, the promises of God, right? We're, we're promise experts here at Highway. When we're reading the Bible, we're looking for the promises of God. Why? Because His promises reveal to us who He is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. Okay? So we read all of the Bible, but when we come across a promise, we eat it up. We chew on it. We stuff our mouths with it. We gorge on it. We do. All you can eat. Right? We keep going back. You're, this is your third trip. That's all right. I'm going back. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Right? All you can eat. <laughs> I remember a skit years ago on TV. It was like one of those late night shows. And uh, I don't think I was saved. It's <laughs> going back to the 80s. And there's a skit. There was an all you can eat buffet. And they said, oh, and they would go in, they would eat as much as they could, and that, but the waiters would come and say, that's not all you can eat, and they'd give them more food. So you had to keep eating, <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, that by these, by these promises, what happens when we meditate in the promises of God? We become partakers of their reality. We begin to partake of, experience, walk in God's nature and ways. 
Isn't that what it says? Partakers of the divine nature. What does divine mean? God, right? His nature. He's the only divine being, right? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that they might have life and life abundantly, we eat that up. What is that? That's a promise. of that's a, it's, a, it's a statement God made that reveals to us his nature. Right? Now through Christ, everything God promises has become ours. Right? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. So if there's a promise back in Genesis 1, it's mine because of Christ. If it's in Exodus 22, it's mine. If it's in uh, Joel, it's mine. If it's in Malachi, it's mine. They've all been made yes to me. Hallelujah. So by meditating on the promises of God, we begin to see things as God sees them. We're going to continue this next week. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, you've given to us everything, all things pertaining to life and godliness. And Lord, we ask you to to flood the eyes of our heart with light that we would know and understand what you've given to us in Christ. That we would walk in your nature. They would walk in your ways that we would think your thoughts after you. That your glory would be radiating from us everywhere we go. That your excellencies would show forth in our life. That the light of the redemption of Christ would shine from us and impact everyone we meet. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Holy Spirit. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Just... This is kind of like sitting back at the table after you've eaten. Just let everything, everything settle. Go ahead. Just take a few moments and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. You can take your napkin off, put it on the table. Lean back in your chair. Let the Holy Spirit strengthen you. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.